like to welcome you to our evening service and looking forward to the time we'll be able to spend together in the scriptures. So let's bow together for a word of prayer and then we will get started. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to open up the word of God. And I thank you for the fellowship we've enjoyed and the fellowship we will enjoy. And I pray that you'll bless every aspect of the service. May you be glorified in it. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Good evening, hearty souls making it out on a Sunday evening. I tell you, I'm, uh, aren't you glad you're not from, up in New York, uh, in New England, or down in Florida? I heard Fort Lauderdale had a tornado. So uh, that was quite a storm that's going through, and I guess we got another one coming. So let's uh, keep our heads down low, and maybe we'll miss the worst of it, but it would be nice to have a little snow after Christmas. But at this point in time, we're going to warm our cockles up and turn to page 343. Page 343. Stand with me as we sing, as I get some glasses out. Springs of Living Water.
see. Go ahead and be seated. And we're going to pay, turn to page 400. <clears throat> you got that, right? 400. All three verses. So hold on to your seats. Dwelling in beauty. does this for about three weeks, right? Okay. Brother Braxton?
Obedience is. split this up. Okay, let's see. Okay, well, one, kind of two, and three. <laughs> so about one and a half of here, and no, let's do one, two, and then all three, because that looks pretty good. Okay, we'll, we'll do. Father, I adore you. Over here, one, two, and three, okay? three over here was a little on the weak side. <laughs> hey, listen, folks, just like in choir, you come here to practice, you're all within friends, so make a joyful noise. All right, all righty, all righty, all righty. Uh, let me check. Pastor, page 596 is the Star Spangled Banner. You're good, good to that. Okay. Well, we can't sit on this one. <laughs> So stand, and we'll sing the first verse of the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs>
that's a good song to start the New Year's out on. And page 57 in the blue book. 57 in the blue book. And yeah, that'll be a good song to end on. The spirits soared. Let's sing the first and the last. And let's go ahead and stand up for the song. First and last.
Okay, well, let's all take our Bibles tonight and let's turn to the book of the Psalms. And we are looking at the 35th Psalm again tonight. And uh, this morning I read the entire Psalm. Uh, instead of reading the entire Psalm, I'm going to read a portion of it. Uh, just so that we can get a sense and kind of remember where we were this morning. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of expand a little bit of the content of what we looked at this morning. And there are three words that I gave you. One is the word petition, the other is the word lament, and I would like us to look at what those words mean, and then we'll look at the last of those words, which is worship or rejoicing. So, Psalm 35, verse number one says the following, plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them and fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I, have thy, I am thy salvation. <clears throat> Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery. And let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit. Which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares. And let his net that he hath hid catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivereth the poor from him that is too strong. From him, yea, the poor and the needy, from him that spoileth him. False witnesses did rise up, and they laid my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. But in mine adversity, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the objects gathered themselves together against me. And I knew it not. They did tear me. And ceased not. Please let's bow for a moment. Ask the Lord to help us. To understand how a believer is to process. Some of the very things. That David is talking about in these verses. Father. I pray that as we look at these three words. We look at what it means to petition you. And what it means to lament. And how we as Christians should be worshipers. I pray. That tonight you would help us to understand these truths. They are so foundational. To how we deal with hardship and affliction. And so I pray that you take the word of God and use it in hearts. Help me to communicate it clearly. May it be simple, easy to follow, and may you be glorified through it. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, I'll remind you again of the summation of this, the psalm, how we would summarize it. And the statement that I gave you in, was this. Psalm 35 gives us a transparent look into the prayer life of a believer who has been experiencing the painful effects of injustice at the hands of a close associate. And how this believer processed this pain in a godly way. And don't worry, I didn't plagiarize that. Those are my own words entirely. <laughs> uh, shouldn't laugh about that. Um, 
I think that when we think about Psalm 35, the focus of this is really that little statement. He is experiencing the painful effects of injustice. And is it at the hands of someone who was very close to him? And I drew your attention to that earlier today where he talks about the fact when this person was sick, he put on sackcloth, he humbled himself, he fasted, he prayed for this person. He, he behaved himself as if, as if this person was a very close friend, like a brother. And when this person had had this kind of access to David, he takes that closeness and that opportunity and he turns it against David. And he uses it as an opportunity to try to destroy David. It's an absolutely stunning series of circumstances. This is not a person who David treated badly and then they were returning the bad on David. This is a person who David treated very tenderly and very lovingly and very kindly. And instead this person turned it against them. And so I want us to focus in on those three terms. The word lament and we'll work our way through it. So first of all we're going to talk about lamenting as a Christian. There is a book in the Bible called Lamentations. And I know that some of the most precious verses in all of scripture for, most, for many, many people are those verses in Lamentations where he says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. And then we stop there and we don't read anything before it and we don't read anything after it because the book of Lamentations is a very sad book. It's a lament. It's Jeremiah looking at the destruction of Jerusalem. He's thinking about where the people were. He's thinking about what they've experienced. He's thinking about how it appears that there's no hope for these people. And he just cries out to God and he says, I'm in misery and I'm in pain. And I don't even know how to make sense of all these things. That's really the sense of the book of Lamentations. There is a place for Christians lamenting. I think there are certain things that we witness in life or certain things that we hear about in life that probably the most appropriate response is to just grieve. I think there are certain things that we can witness in the Christian life that the most appropriate response is actually to be to be angry because of the evil that's being inflicted. But many times a Christian needs to simply grieve because they feel the heaviness of what they're experiencing. Christians aren't immune to these kinds of things. I wish that we were. I wish that I could tell you that that was in fact the case. There are some verses in Jeremiah that really stand out to me in Ezekiel that talk about how the shepherds of Israel became fat... And those people that they were supposed to care for their souls, those people became maimed and they didn't uplift them. They didn't care for them. They didn't minister to their wounds. And one of those things that it tells you is that people need people to look out for them. They need people to care for their souls. And the reason for that is because life is hard. Life is full of difficulties and sorrows. In fact, sometimes we don't really have great answers for the kinds of things that are going on. But we can pray with someone. We can uphold them. We can be beside them. In fact, even the story of Job, it's amazing. Job's friends, for the first several days, just sat there with him. Maybe they should have continued. Instead of deciding they're going to speak up and tell him what they think is his problem. There are times where Christians need to lament. And I want you to notice again... The, the way that David describes what's going on in his life. In verse 1 he says, 
that they strive with me. In fact, as David's writing these, these verses, these words to this psalm, he's in the midst of the circumstance. He's not on the back side of it. He's living through it. He says in verse 3, they persecute me. Not they persecuted, they persecute me. He says in verse 7, without cause, they hid for me their nets in a pit. Verse 11, false witnesses, they laid to me charges, things that I knew not. And the way that I described that this morning was, he didn't do those things. And so when they say, this is what David did, he goes, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't do that. I would have never done such a thing. That's what he's saying. And verse 12 it says they rewarded evil for good. They devised deceitful matters. Verse 20. Verse 26 they rejoice at my hurt. After the service one of the, one of, one of the folks came through and they said you know pastor when you read those statements. All I could think about was that was a great description of Jesus. And they're absolutely right. In fact, there is a sense in which there are parts of this psalm that most clearly connect to the cross. We kind of looked at that just a little bit. But in, in, in the book of John, it says that this was the fulfillment of those things which says they persecuted me without a cause. And so as David is describing what he's feeling and what he's experiencing, he's describing something that really just gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the kind of suffering that Christ would experience. The kind of hardship that he would experience so that we could be redeemed. And the question is, how should you respond in that? Well, a big part of it is you need to cry out to God and pour out your heart to him. I want you to realize that what we read about David doing in Psalm 35 isn't something that we only find in Psalm 35. Listen to some of these scriptures <coughs> that describe the same concept. Think about the story of Hannah. 1 Samuel 1.10. It says that she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if... Thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, then I'm going to make this promise to you. That's what she says. In fact, when Eli the priest saw Hannah there in the, in the tabernacle and sees her praying, she thought she was intoxicated. She thought she was like someone who was, was overcome with alcohol because <clears throat> she was weeping and she was in this state of tremendous grief. And he said, oh, what is this woman doing? She said, I'm not drunk. I'm grieving. I'm broken. Who did she direct that pain to? Well, it was to God. She directed the pain of her heart to God. In Psalm 55, we see David doing this. He says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy. The oppression of the wicked. They cast iniquity upon me. In wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove for then would I fly away and be at rest. You know what he's saying? I wish I could just escape this misery. And by the way, sometimes people think that very 
uh, influential people, powerful people, people who get into a position of authority, they don't have to deal with those things. That's not true. In fact, sometimes it's people who have to make tough decisions. Sometimes it's people that have to manage a lot of people. They're the ones that sometimes get the most vicious and nasty attacks you can imagine. Sometimes people bring it on themselves. I definitely understand that. But sometimes it's just people can be relentless and vicious. David's expressing this. And then we see the words of Christ. Matthew 26, verse 38. He says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He didn't just pray this once. He prayed it. And then he went and found the disciples sleeping. And he went back and prayed. He found the disciples sleeping. He prayed. And then he said, all right, guys, it's about to happen. What was David, or what was, what was the Lord Jesus in agony over? Was it just the physical pain of the cross? The fact is he was going to bear the full weight of our sin on that cross. He was going to be separated from the Father and there would be this broken communion as he bears the wrath of God against sin. He was going to experience the humiliation of the cross. He was going to experience all of the the. the, the 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 agonies of that moment but also the vicious hatred of the people that that put him to death lament and so I ask this question how does the world deal with pain I try to jot this down and think about just from my just from things I've read conversations that I've had I guess this is an entirely anecdotal uh, uh, explanation of some things that I think but I think that it's very true some people internalize pain and act like it's not real In fact, lots and lots of people do this. They do not show any kind of weakness. They stand firm and strong and they experience pain and they just bury it inside. But guess what? The more they pack in, the more it begins to deteriorate what's going on internally. It's really true. You know what bitterness sometimes is? Bitterness is me taking the hurt and not doing what I need to do with the hurt. And I internalize it and I let it just eat at me like a cancer inside. Some people absorb themselves in some kind of diversion and it helps them cope with the pain. Now, by the way, I do think that it's helpful sometimes to find diversions. I'm not saying this is a wrong thing in and of itself, but that is not going to take care of a problem that we have going on inside of our hearts. Just finding something to distract us. There's going to be a day, there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time when the distraction can't distract anymore. Some people turn to drugs and alcohol, sexual pleasures, to ease their pain and forget their miseries. But guess what? They're still there. Some people lash out at others and they vent their frustration. I think a lot of times when people bury their anger and they bury that pain, there comes a point where there's no way they're just going to lash out at people because it's so working in their heart. Some people harm themselves. So they can control their pain in some area, in some way. Some people vent to people who will listen to them and commiserate. Some people just listen to people who are compassionate. No solutions, just let me hear this. And by the way, some of the things that I mentioned are not in and of themselves bad. I think it's good for us to have friends that we can sit down and we can just say, 
here's what's going on. Here is my burden. If you don't have somebody you can talk to, that's a really bad thing. But who should you talk to more than anybody else? Not your spouse, not your children, not your parents, not your friend, to God. Not saying we shouldn't talk to our spouse and not saying that our, parent, our, our children should not speak. They, they should, and I hope they do. But there's someone that can carry those burdens in a way that nobody else can. You know who that is? It's God. Lamenting for a Christian begins with this understanding that God's sovereign. I know he's in charge. I know that he's good. I know that he cares. I know that he can work all things together for good to them that love God. And I can take that understanding of God and I can take my burdens and I can pour them onto his shoulders and he's not going to buckle under the weight of those things. And as I pour out my heart before God, you know what he does? He comes alongside and he lifts me up and he strengthens me and if he upholds me. And that's what we mean by lamenting in a Christian way. I'm pouring out my heart to a God who is sovereign, who is good, who cares, who I know can work. And I'm saying, I can't handle these burdens. I need somebody to hear this and I need to lay it before him. And I remind you what it says in Psalm 103. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. That's the way that God views us when we pour out our hearts to him. He doesn't go, what? Oh, that's, he doesn't do that. He pities us. He has compassion on us. By the way, when we do that, there's a lot in the way that we think that's probably not right as we're pouring out our hearts. He doesn't say, oh, stop right there. I've got to say something about that one. He just lets us do it. And then he upholds us. And And you know what? God just kind of progressively helps us to understand things and process things biblically. He does it a little bit at a time. He might do it through sermons. He might do it through the reading of scripture. And we start reflecting on these things. And all of a sudden a little thought pops in here. And a little thought pops in here. And he just progressively starts shaping our thinking. But he is available for us to just pour out our heart to him. I mentioned the Lamentations passage. It's of the Lord's mercies were not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Psalm 36, 7. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O Lord, God. The children of men do put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. That's a great picture. I remember when we lived in Ghana, we had these, uh, we had chickens. And it was um, uh, moderately successful at times. <laughs> and I remember chicks hatching and then they just disappeared one by one because, you know, stuff would get them kind of sad one of the things that you'd see is that mother hen those little those little chicks would come right up and she'd like pull them right up under her and if somebody wanted to get to the chicks they had to mess with mama all right that's what they had to do and that's the kind of analogy that God's using he's saying I'm like that you can come under the shadow of my wings I'm going to protect you you can come close to me and I'm there I will uphold why does he do that because he loves us Psalm 143.8, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. In thee do I trust. And so when we talk about this thing of lamenting, the, the fact is everybody 
whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, whether you're a mature Christian, whether you're a young Christian, whether you're a strong Christian, a weak Christian, doesn't matter the classification of person, if you want to put it that way. We, we all go through hardships. And we're all going to have to deal with those hardships. And we're all going to have to process those hardships. And one aspect of healthily, uh, processing these things in a healthy way is lamenting before the Lord. And just pouring out our burdens to him. The second thing I want you to notice is trusting as a Christian. I want you to notice the way that David prayed. He didn't just complain to God. He didn't just pour out his heart and say, I feel this and this and this and this. And he just, he lays out all the pains, but intertwined and mixed in with the, the pain and the, the frustrations and the fears and all of those things. He also asks God for things that he would do. In other words, he's not just asking and he's not just complaining. He's laying out this case and it's kind of a messy thing. It's not like it's well-ordered and all that. You know, he's, he's rambling, you might, you might say, okay? Sometimes a person's laying out something that's very difficult, and they're like, I'm rambling. I'm saying this over here, and I'm saying this over here. And am I making sense? And the person's like, what? you're making sense. I'm following you. I see what's going on. Notice how David prayed. Verse 1, plead my cause with them that strive with me. He's borrowing from a legal situation. Like a person has char been charged with a crime and someone stands up, their lawyer, and they plead a case that says this person's innocent. This person's not guilty. And they lay out all these reasons why the accusation falls flat. He says, well, these people lie about me and while they bring accusations against me, I'm asking you to stand up in my defense because I don't have the ability to stand up for myself in this situation and I want you to plead my cause. That's what he's saying. Strive with them. Fight against them that fight against me. Please go to bat for me. That's what he's saying. Verse 2. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Now, David was a military person. He knew it was like to stand in battle. In fact, it's almost a little bit fascinating to think of a person as strong and, and as, as much a warrior as David who is just rambling and he's, he's talking about his pain and his misery. And you're like, well, David, aren't you a man of war? Can't you just stand up and defend yourself? It's not that kind of a situation. He says, God, take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Please fight to defend me. Fight to defend me. I'm vulnerable. I'm weak. I don't have the ability to do this. I need somebody who's stronger than me, bigger than me, who can step in and do this for me. That's what he's saying. It's a position of humility. Verse 4, he says, Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. They're trying to lay this trap. They're trying to bring this case. They're trying to trap him and trick him and hurt him. And he's saying, confound that. Let it fall apart so that my life is preserved, so that I don't end up in this position. Verse 5, let them be as chaffed before the wind. It just blows away and I don't have to deal with this anymore. Let their way be dark and slippery. Now, these are dishonest people who've come against David. These are people who are tricky, they're wise. Not wise in a godly sense, but wise in a worldly sense. 
they know how to bring the charge. They know how to make him look bad. They know how to destroy him. They know how to exploit David. He says, let their ways be slippery. They're plotting, let it fall flat. That's what he's saying. Verse 17, he says, Lord, how long will thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destruction. Verse 19, let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Now, David's not just complaining. He's crying out to God and he's praying. And so when we think about how Christians should, should, should work through areas like this, we need to pour out our hearts to God, but we need to ask him for things. We need to ask him to work in a very specific way. And that's exactly what David is doing. And by the way, not only does he ask, he expresses confidence. We see the, the worship side, the rejoicing side of these things. In verses 9 and 10, he says, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. Well, that's kind of a statement of confidence, is it not? It's not right now, but it's going to be. He says, it shall rejoice in his salvation. I'm not saved. I'm in the midst of this right now. But he's going to save me. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which deliverest the poor from him that is too strong for him, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. You see how David has confidence that God is going to work here? Verse 17 and 18, Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. There's confidence there. Verse 28, my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and thy praise all the day long. Do you see how there is this, this blend of emotions? Grief and sorrow and anxiousness and I feel so vulnerable and I'm laying it out to the Lord and I'm speaking honestly about how I feel and what I'm experiencing. And I'm, I'm, I'm pouring out my heart and saying, God, I need you to work here and here and here and here. And by the way, I know one day this is going to end. And I know one day I'm going to be on the other side. And I know that one day I'm going to be able to rejoice in, in, in what you've done. I'm going to be able to rejoice in how you stepped in for me. I'm going to be able to do that. I know that. Not because I see how it's going to happen but I know who I'm talking to. That's what he's saying. Folks, it's critical that we learn to trust God and to walk by faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. Listen carefully to what it states. <coughs> Verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 13, he gives all these examples and he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise. But, having seen them afar off, were persuaded and embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 39, these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promises. And then here's the point of it all. Chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's how we're supposed to live the Christian life. And so if we're not going to walk by faith, we're going to have huge problems in the Christian experience. How does the world process vulnerability? <coughs> Everybody is vulnerable, okay? There's nobody that reaches this point of wisdom and strength 
where they become immune to these things. Nobody does. We all are going to get our moment where we're going to feel that weakness. It's going to catch up with us. That vulnerability is going to catch up with us. How does the world process that? Well, two words, anxiety, fear. They internalize this vulnerability and are crippled by their past or the potential of the future. In fact, when I say the world, I think a lot of Christians are like this too. You could be a Christian and think like the world. Lots of us do. Micromanagement. Anybody ever had that problem? <laughs> I want to try to control everything. I'm trying to escape every potential pitfall. I'm going to make everything work out. You ever try that? You know how that works? It just makes you feel more anxious. Because you have no ability to control all those things. Ah, yes. And then you get angry at the people that frustrate you because they disrupt your inability to control everything. Anybody been there? What's the opposite of that? It's walking by faith. It's learning to trust God when the ground seems a little bit unstable. It's learning to trust God when things are very complicated around us. We know God is sovereign. We know God is good. We know God cares. You say, well, you just said that. I know I got to say it again. We know that he can work. And we should plead with him to work on our behalf. And we should rest in his goodness and power and wisdom and wait for him to work. That's the way we got to live. It's like Psalm 37. Fret not, trust in the Lord, do good, delight thyself also in the Lord, trust in him, rest in him, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret. That's the way we're supposed to live the Christian life. The last thing I want you to notice is that Christians should be a rejoicing people. Now, this psalm is almost entirely dark, okay? But there are three places where David goes from the lament and all of his crying out to God, his petitions, and he makes statements of worship and rejoicing. In fact, this kind of shows you the, the progression of the psalm. It really fits into three different sections. And so the section kind of ends with David's rejoicing. He was a worshiper. We see that he rejoiced in God's salvation in verse 9. He says, my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. I think it's amazing or important to note that he doesn't say, I'm rejoicing in the fact this person that's been so mean to me gets crushed. He didn't say that. He says, I rejoice in the salvation. He's thankful that God rescues him. He's really not so much worried about the person that's come against him. He said he wants to be out of the problem. Verse 10, he confesses that God is kind. He says, all my bones shall say, who is like unto thee, who delivereth the poor from him that is too strong, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. He says, God's kind. He's good. He's merciful. And he says he's grateful. Verse 18, I will give thanks I will praise thee amongst the people. Also mention this. He says God's righteous. All his ways are right. Verse 28. My, soul, my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and thy praises all the day long. So what's the point? God created us to be worshipers of him. We are creatures. Our existence is owed to God. It's not the other way around. We are creatures. And that means he sustains us. So that means that our life is sustained by his hand, not our own. We bear his image. That means that we can understand truth and we can know God. 
He loves us and he invites us to commune with him and delight in him. That means that we have the opportunity to worship and to know and to serve God. <clears throat> so what does the world do? They create idols. In pride, when everything's good, they say, I don't need God. I don't need anything. I'm great. And then guess what happens? When things turn bad, what, they become disillusioned. Okay? So I went from thinking I don't need anybody to thinking that there's, there's no hope. Like, there's got to be a middle ground here, folks. But that's the way that we process things and we don't think in a godly way. We feel like, like life is hopeless and we recognize that apart from him, we have nothing. Hedonism. People embrace the self-destructive lie that the greatest good is self-gratification, self-expression. That destroys people. So as image bearers who are created to worship and to love God, we can replace God with stuff. And sometimes we're replacing him with our own pleasures. So what are Christians supposed to do? Remember, we're creatures. We have a God-oriented purpose. He sustains our life, and we should recognize that anything good we have comes from him, and we don't deserve it. We should praise him, and we should recognize that even the bad things that happen, he allows them to accomplish good in the long run. So here's the question I want to answer in the close. How do you apply this? We need to be a people who understand lamenting is okay. We need to ask God, petition him when we're in trouble. We need to be worshipers. How do we put it all together in a very practical way? First, when we experience pain, we need to deal with the pain in a uniquely Christian way. We need to remind ourselves, he is sovereign. He is good. He cares. He can work. I need to remind myself of those truths. How do I know that they're true? Well, the Bible tells me those things. And knowing that, the response is, I pour out my heart to God and I let him shoulder the burden. <clears throat> I let him carry the weight of those things. You say, well, when I do it once, is it done? No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you do it and you feel this sense of, Okay, I can get through this. And guess what? You'll do, it, you'll do it again. And you do it again. And you do it again. And that's okay. He's strong enough to just listen every time you have to do that. And as we pour out our hearts, we should be comforted by the fact that God loves us. He's never going to leave us. He has compassion on us in our misery. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells us that. Two. When we are making choices and processing our circumstances, we need to choose and think in a uniquely Christian way. Again, we know he is sovereign. We know he is good. We know he cares. So we need to plead with him to work on our behalf and rest in the fact that he is good, that he is all-powerful, that he is wise, and we need to wait for him to do it. Third, we need to live lives that are filled with worship and praise to God. We're creatures. We have a purpose that is rooted in what God made us for. He upholds our lives. He sustains us. We don't deserve all those good things that he gives us. And even the bad things he allows. He allows them to accomplish good. And so we need to praise him for what he is doing through those things. Say, Pastor, I don't think I could do that. You can. You can. I don't think I could do it in a clean way. David didn't do it in a clean way. <laughs> he didn't do it in a clean way. 
He rambled a lot. What he did is he poured his heart to God. He pleaded with God to work on his behalf and he praised him in the midst of all those things. May God help us to do that. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, as we think about the word of God tonight and this psalm, I pray that you would help us to learn how to process the painful situations of life in a uniquely Christian way. We are your people. You love us very dearly. And I pray that you will help us to continually remind ourselves of your power and your might and your goodness and your righteousness and your wisdom and your compassion. And I pray that you will help us as we work through the challenges of life to walk by faith. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, if you could, let's turn in our hymn books to our closing hymn, 448, and the song is Day by Day. I think it's a great song for us to sing in our closing. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Please let's stand together and let's sing this song as we reflect on the truths we have heard tonight. Mingling toll with peace and rest. Every day the Lord Himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares He fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand one by one the days the moments fleeting till i reach the promised land may the lord help us to actually put to practice the things we've heard mr jenny could you please come and close us in prayer and then we'll be dismissed hope to see many of you on wednesday night as we continue our study and we have our time of prayer together
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for once again the privilege of being here in your house tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship today. We thank you for the message this morning and the, and the good music, Lord. Thank you once again, too, for the reminder of how good you are, what a, a loving God you are. Thank you for your grace and your mercies that are new to us each day, that uh, provide means for us to get through each day, Lord. Thank you that, that you have allowed us to, to be your servant. We pray that you just continue to allow us to be a good testimony and witness for you. We thank you, Lord, for the, uh, the, for the new year that's ahead of us. We look forward, Lord, to what you have for us. And if what you have for us would be pain and suffering, give us the, the grace to deal with that, Lord. We pray now that you would just go with us to our homes, bring us back again safely. Uh, for Wednesday night uh, prayer meeting and Bible study, and we'll give you the praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 